All right, so I just want to shoot a really quick video because I kind of came up with a thought the other day of a way of phrasing why Solo Scriptura doesn't make sense, and I want to share it with you guys. So I'm going to shoot this quick video. Um, I'm just jumping to Wikipedia. Uh, there are a lot of people that say you should never ever do research on Wikipedia. Those people are absolute idiots. Wikipedia is a wonderful place to start. It should never be cited as authoritative because it is, you know, easily edited. Um, but in general, it's actually very reliable, especially as a jumping off point for lots of different doctrines. You can find all sorts of uh, actual citations of scholarly research and everything else. So uh, if anyone ever tells you that you can't trust uh, Wikipedia uh, or that you should never ever use Wikipedia, don't even listen to them. It drives me nuts. My kids, uh, they're, they're teachers at school, like never use Wikipedia. I'm like, always use Wikipedia. Always start there. Don't finish there, but always start there. Anyway, Wikipedia says this, Sola Scriptura. Sola Scriptura by scripture alone in English is a theological doctrine held by some Protestant Christian denominations that the Christian scriptures are the sole infallible source of authority for Christian faith and practice. I'm going to take this as a pretty good definition of, uh, of sola scriptura and, and what it means and what it implies. Um, now there are uh, a number of Christians who will modify this. I know that, uh, CARM, C-A-R-M.org run by, Matt Slick, I believe it's his name, doesn't even mention the word infallible in their discussion or, or about infallibility. Uh, I know James White of Alpha and Omega Ministries talks about Sol Scriptura. Uh, he says it's the only infallible source, but he says there are other binding sources on Christians, which I don't really know what that means. He said, you know, early church councils he he seems to subscribe to and submit to, even though they were very clearly Catholic. He 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 takes the ones he wants and not the other ones, uh, so to speak. But let's just let's just take this as our baseline. Sol Scriptura is a theological doctrine held by some Protestants that the Christian scriptures are the sole infallible source of authority for Christian faith and practice. Now, this is usually based on passages like, uh, is it first Timothy three, uh, 15, or is it second Timothy three? I forget because one of them actually is, it kind of combats soul scripture and the other one is the one that's commonly cited. And I always get them confused. <laughs> um, but the, the justice in all scripture is God breathe the all, uh, the uh, God breathed and isn't useful for teaching, rebuking, etc. Right? That's that's what it says. And so, since Scripture says, or since Paul says that Scripture is God breathed, uh, oftentimes it's viewed as this is the only time that uh, that we ever hear about anything being God breathed, and so it does make Scripture unique. Um, first off, I'm going to point out that uh, in John 20, when Jesus uh, resurrected, meets with his remaining eleven disciples, he breathes on them and tells them to receive the Holy Spirit. So literally, he's beginning the commission of the church there. It's, it's fulfilled at Pentecost when they fully receive the Holy Spirit, but he gives them the Holy Spirit even then, and he breathes on them, says, receive the Holy Spirit. Whoever sins, you forgive or forgiven. Whoever sins, you retain or retained, which is totally different from as you forgive, so shall you be forgiven, which is a general guideline to everyone. These are specific individuals, the leaders of his church that he's given the authority to forgive sins of uh, because the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, right? Um, but let's just talk about this particular formulation right here, right? The scriptures are the sole infallible source of authority for the Christian practice and faith. I'm going to pull up my trusty little notepad here, and I'm just going to write a couple of quick things down. All right, so here's my notepad. And I'm going to do this in three lines. This is basically a, a syllogism. Um, there may be a slightly fudged middle, but I think it'll make enough sense here. So, Scripture is the only infallible source of authority. Are we cool with that? Uh, I'm not cool with that personally, because uh, I don't think scripture bears this out, but let's just take that as a starting point. If this is the case, then 
Premise two, the canon of scripture is not in scripture. And this is just a fact. Again, and I've made this point in other videos, uh, and G when Jesus is ascending, he doesn't lean over the cloud and shout out a list of books to look out for. Uh, neither Peter, nor Paul, nor James, nor John, nor Luke, nor Mark, uh, nor Jude. Uh, none of these people uh, wrote a, a canon of the scriptures, wrote a, a list of books, a table of contents. So the canon of the scripture is not found in the scripture. So if scripture is the only source, the only infallible source of authority, and if the canon of the scriptures is not found in scripture, then logically it must be the case that the canon of scripture is fallible. Now think about what that actually means for a minute. Um, if you're going to make the claim that the scriptures are the only infallible source of authority for a Christian, but you're also going to make the claim implicitly, whether you realize it or not, that you can't know what books belong in scripture with certainty, then what have you just done? You've just pulled the rug out from under your feet. You've literally just destroyed your ability to know what books are and are not scripture. And that is quite a problem, right? And this is one of the reasons why I'm Catholic. Uh, the, the Protestant position has to make a circular argument about scripture is scripture because I know it's scripture because it's scripture and that's just it. It just starts from a presumption. I've talked about the um, the the concept of canonical sufficiency before, you know, a book like the, the book series, the Lord of the Rings series, um, written by, uh, Tolkien or the Narnia series. You can answer how many books belong in that. Cause there was one single human author and they can tell you, these are the books I wrote, you know, there's the seven Narnia books or there's the, the, <laughs> it depends on how you want to count it. Actually the, the Tolkien books I've realized in, in hindsight are a wonderful example of this because the, the Lord of the Rings books are in fact three books. Um, that were published and each of those books is two books. Um, so the, the fellowship has two books in it. The, uh, two towers has two books in it and the return of the king has two books in it plus the appendices. Uh, and of course there's also a prequel the Hobbit and there's also, uh, the prequel source material, uh, like the Silmarillion and the very lately produced probably in the last five years or so, the, the children of Huron, uh, and whatnot. So there's a lot of like ancillary, uh, supplemental information that could go into you know the question of what belongs. But properly speaking, we know that the Lord of the Rings proper is uh, the three books, the Fellowship, the Two Towers, and the Return of the King, right? Um, and this also works for other religious texts. Um, we know, for instance, why the Quran is as long as the Quran is, right? Because Muhammad uh, received revelation purportedly. Like, I don't think he actually did. But whether he did or not is irrelevant to the discussion of the canonicity of the Quran, what he said is the Quran is the Quran based on what he said uh, and based on nothing else. Right. So whether it was an angel giving it to him or not, whether it was just him coming up with it or not, doesn't matter, doesn't enter into it. The fact is he is sufficient to explain the list of texts that make up the various surahs of the Quran. Um, also, again, the Book of Mormon would be canonically sufficient in a sense because Joseph Smith is just purportedly making a translation of books that he found. Now, you could ask subsequent questions about, well, you know, why are those books in there? But it doesn't matter. He's being given a book and being told translate like this magical text, these golden plates, uh, by putting your head in the hat and coming up with whatever. So it's at least canonically sufficient. It may not actually be inspired. I'm pretty sure neither of those books are inspired, um, but they are sufficient to explain the list of texts that make them up. The Bible is uniquely different. It is not uh, at all written in the same way or in the same style uh, as the Quran uh, or as the Book of Mormon, because it's not a translated work by one man uh, or even a fictitious other fictitious works like the Narnia books or like the Lord of the Rings. 
And so it requires, if you're going to know what books belong in scripture, that you know with certainty. Um, I've mentioned this before as well. Protestant pastor R.C. Sproul understood this very, very well. Uh, and he actually, let me put this up here, should have a link to it. I used to have a link to it. Uh, it's actually been taken down from the Lagonier Ministries website, but you can find it. Uh, and this is one of my favorite pieces. This is one of the, this is one of the pieces that made me Catholic. Um, and I'll try to remember to put a link to it down below. But he says, you know, we as Protestants, uh, let me move myself out of the way here. The historic Protestant opinion shared by Lutherans, Methodists, Episcopals, Presbyterians, and so on, has it that the canon of Scripture is a fallible collection of infallible books. Um, and this is, you know, how they justify things like tossing out the deuterocanonical books, the books that have been in the Bible since the very beginning, since the earliest Christian text, um, that have been cited as Scripture by the earliest church fathers. Um, you know, and it's a real problem if you can't actually know what books belong in scripture, because then you have no real reason to treat these books as scripture. I've given this example as well, but I'm going to jump back on it again. If I put you in a room and I lock the door and in front of you is a table full of mushrooms. And I tell you that, um, you have to eat 27 of these 100 mushrooms. And most of the mushrooms in this room, uh, will make you sick. Some of them will even kill you. Um, if I, if I give you the knowledge that if it's a death cap mushroom, then it will kill you. Does that make it just that little bit of knowledge so that you can safely eat the mushrooms and, and exit the room? No, of course not. Because if you can't subsequently identify, is this mushroom a death cap mushroom, then you're stuck, right? Having the knowledge that if it's uh, a death cap, then it will kill you doesn't help you if you can't answer the question, is this a death cap? It's the same with scripture. Having the knowledge that scripture is God breathed, that, that, that scripture is useful for teaching and reproof and everything else is great. If you can subsequently answer the question, is this scripture and know it with certainty, uh, with infallibility. If you can't, then you are just, just as you would be taking your mortal life into your hands every time you took a bite of one of those mushrooms, not knowing what it was, you'd be taking your immortal soul into your own hands every time you trusted a text written by a human that you have no real reason or certitude to know is infallible. And that's why the scriptures on their own simply fail. Without realizing it, Protestantism cannibalizes the, the text that it took from the church, uh, from authentic Christianity. Uh, it, it took the took the Bible, went yoink, ran off and said, okay, now we've got all we need. And of course, it's clear that that's not all that was needed because that's why, if it was all you really needed, you would expect there to be one Protestant denomination. And it would be pretty monolithic uh, against the Catholic church. Uh, say, we have the one true uh, authorized teaching with the one true authoritative uh, interpretation of scripture. Uh, you Catholics have it wrong. And, and, you know, the two would go back and forth. Uh, maybe the Orthodox would be in there, but usually they'd be siding with the Catholics on 99% uh, of, of the debate. Um, but you at least have this monolith, but you don't see that in Protestantism. Again, you may not see 30 or 40,000 denominations, depending upon how you want to count them. Maybe you only see 300 or 3000, but that is still a ton of different groups of people splintering, branching off, breaking off, uh, all because they can't come to a definitive understanding of what that text means. Our country, the United States, is run on a document that can fit in my back pocket. Uh, and in fact, half of this is notes. It's not even the full constitution. Mean, it's the full constitution, but I mean, half of this is not the constitution. There's other stuff in here. I think the declaration is in here. Um, 
and, and whatnot. And our forefathers of this country knew that there would be much strife for understanding what this document means. And so they gave us a judicial body who could help us to interpret and explain it and at least give a binding uh, or authoritative explanation, even if it's not an infallible explanation because it's not being supernaturally guided. But how much more Christ, how much more God made man, how much more could he see that we need this certainty and would he give it to us? And so again, I hate harping on this because I do love the scriptures and I think that everyone should read them. As St. Jerome says, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. Um, but if you're growing up in a Protestant church, you are ignorant of scripture more than you realize because you're ignorant of why you have the scriptures, how you can know what books are even in the scriptures. And chances are you're ignorant of at least seven books of scripture, not to mention a couple portions of Daniel and Esther. So you have a smaller Bible. Uh, you only have uh, 66 books in your Bible versus the 73 that have been there since the earliest canons uh, of the church that the early church fathers cited without batting an eye. Uh, as being authoritative and being scripture. So uh, hopefully that all makes sense. I just wanted to kind of give you guys that idea, but here it is again. Um, you know, just, just kind of think about this, right? Scripture is the only infallible source of authority. This is, it, this is true if sola scriptura is true. The canon of scripture is not in scripture. This is just a historical fact. You can't really argue about that. Therefore, if one and given two, then... Three, the canon is fallible. And if the canon is fallible, you have no reason for assuming that books that don't claim to be inspired are inspired. You are trusting a fallible tradition of men to give you certain and infallible knowledge. And that's not how it works. God love you. Bye-bye.